Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. <laughs> Everybody and welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I'm your co-host Justin McElroy, and I'm Sydney McElroy. Well, Sid, uh, there's nothing we love uh, here on Sawbones more than a combo. We used to have That's these true. combo streaks that would last like three to four episodes long. So uh, last week, after talking about quarantine through the lens of coronavirus, you stumbled upon a story of a of a different sort of quarantine. Well, sort of quarantine sort of- is one aspect of it as i was as i was looking through different examples of quarantining events corn i guess just quarantines i love that (laughs) i'll just make up some new Mm -hmm. terms while i'm talking there as i was looking through examples of quarantines i stumbled across uh one that i had never heard of and it led me to the story of a certain episode of like a disease outbreak in american history that is is a pretty famous one and somehow we've never talked about and I don't know. I wasn't really, I was vaguely aware of the concept of this sort of thing happening at this time period, but I did not know this exact we, story. We have performed in this city multiple times. And That's right. Happened upon this specific incident. No. And I had the moment where I thought if we're going to go back to Philadelphia, I should save this story mm-hmm. for when we go there. But then that seemed silly to not talk about it in the hopes that eventually we'd go back to Philadelphia and wait until then. Oh, listen, we'll be back to Philadelphia. Oh, I know we will, but... They got these Amish donuts there. Knock your <laughs> butt right off your face. This was such a good story, though. So okay. I, I wanted to talk about the the Philadelphia yellow fever outbreak of 1793. It seems like Gritty probably started it. I don't <laughs> know how that's chronologically possible, but my my early guess is that this is a Gritty... Gritty centric. Gritty was patient zero. I'm gonna guess that you don't know much about yellow fever. If that's your, if that's your theory. Okay. I don't think we've talked much about yellow fever on the show. No. 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 Uh, one. Um. So the the thing about yellow fever, uh, and this is probably one of the most notable outbreaks. Although, uh, there were there was a time when yellow fever outbreaks were not uncommon in the united states and we and we think about i think a lot of uh, us americans think about yellow fever as like a a tropical disease it doesn't happen here um it still occurs very frequently in parts of africa and south america and it's not gone we're not talking about smallpox here this has not been eradicated i would guess that a lot of us americans have fully formed and cogent uh, opinions and thoughts on yellow fever, much like myself, uh, everyday American. Do you, 
I got the vaccine. Sick. Like I had, I have had the yellow fever vaccine because I went to Malawi. Squid, listen, listen. Are you listening? Yes. Do you remember earlier when you said that we have not done much on yellow fever? Yes. What that translates to one to one <laughs> is that I don't know anything about yellow fever. I'm a blank canvas. Okay. 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 Well, yellow fever is a is a virus. I have I I have in my notes it's an RNA virus as if you would have asked me, is it a DNA or an RNA virus? Uh Sorry, I wasn't listening to what you just said a sec- <laughs> sentence ago. Uh I didn't have a question before we move on. Mm-hmm. Is it a DNA <laughs> or an RNA virus? It is spread by mosquitoes. I have a mnemonic device to remind me. Let me see if mm-hmm. I can. Do you? Uh-huh. Yellow fever is R R N A is not applicable. So the R is red, not applicable. Red, it's not yellow. Applicable. It's yellow fever okay. virus. Yeah, got it. Got it. Uh, so it's spread by mosquitoes, usually the eighties type of mosquito. It's a flavivirus. The eighties type of mosquitoes. So it's kind of it's got 80s, that little uh, neon scrunchy and uh-huh. jean jacket. <laughs> it's it's related to viruses like West Nile. You've probably heard of West Nile virus. Mm-hmm. That was that was very big in the media for like five minutes a while back. Right. I remember that. We were all very upset at mosquitoes, <laughs> which we should be all the time. They're the most dangerous animal on earth. They are. We should all be very scared of mosquitoes. No, don't be scared. That's not productive. But we should be upset be, about mosquitoes. Be cautious uh-huh. and aware and vigilant. If you see Or some, vigilant. That's you, not a word, but be you, vigilant. If you see skeeto, say skeeto. That's my rule. <laughs> It is transmitted between monkeys and mosquitoes, and then occasionally a human wanders into the jungle Oops. and gets in the midst of this cycle, and then then it's transmitted at that point from human to mosquito to human to mosquito to human. Thanks for nothing, Tarzan. So it's one of those that you can see why back in 1793 it would be tricky to figure out how it was spread, because it really is something that it takes you a minute to, it's not, if you and me are sitting in the same room and I have yellow fever, you're not going to get yellow fever from me unless there's also a mosquito in this room. And then it is necessary for the mosquito to first feast on me and then feast on you mm-hmm. for you to get it. That's a tricky uh, transmission. If you, I mean, like it seems common sense now because we know that yeah. a lot of things, malaria being the Probably the biggest you know, yeah, example be, or spread that quite way. The, like, that must have been quite the poll when they actually did finally figure that out. Because mm-hmm. what a wild X factor that so it's is. A big, it's a big breaker. Most uh, people who get yellow fever virus will not know. I think that's something that we never talk about with viruses is how often a lot of people will get something and never know they got it. Mm-hmm. And we could, we could check and see that they've had it before, but you just didn't get symptoms. Mm-hmm. I know. It seems strange. You feel like everybody should get sick with something, but Especially no. when you look at a virus and they look like these weird diamond heads with their little, weird little spindly legs, they look very dangerous. That's a bacteriophage. Yeah, tomato, tomato. But yeah, well, most don't look that way. Those are, the, those are very impressive viruses, I agree. They look mm-hmm. very scary and cool. They're on your cover of Virus Beat, hunky viruses <laughs> that we I, are crushing on. I hardcore. do have a necklace with a little bacteriophage charm because they're very cool but 
Uh, but most, unfortunately, unfortunately, <laughs> most don't look that way. Uh, some people will develop symptoms in about three to six days after they're exposed. They'll get fevers, chills, headaches, back pain, body aches, nausea, vomiting, fatigue, feel weak, that kind of thing. It lasts about a week for most people, and then usually they get better, although some people it can go on longer. Um, but for about one in seven of the people who get sick, so already, like, most people who get it won't get sick. Uh, one some percentage of those people will get sick and then one in seven of those people will seem to get better for a day or two like the week will pass and you'll think wow great i got better yellow fever over but then things get really worse Mm. you get the fevers back but now your liver is affected that's where the yellow comes in you become jaundiced you can turn yellow um your organs can fail uh, you you can have because your liver is involved, you lose the ability to clot your blood. So mm. it can be a very dramatic uh, end to the disease process because you start bleeding a lot from a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um, so much like it's not like Ebola, but rem- reminiscent of what why people were so afraid of Ebola. Ebola does not cause you to disintegrate, by the way. I don't know who would have said that kind of thing. Yeah, I don't. Maybe a world leader, perhaps. Maybe a, a world leader that we may be familiar with in the United States of America. But anyway, it does not cause you to disintegrate. On a side note, uh, but it can't. But yellow fever can cause you to die. And about thirty to sixty percent of the people who get this this very severe, complicated course will die. Nowadays, we don't like I said we don't see it here, but it is still a big issue in other parts of the world in parts of Africa and South America. Um, But back in the 1700s, um, especially in the newly formed U.S., you would see it fairly frequently because a large part of that was that a lot of people were coming to the United States and we didn't have... So in order for you to have the the, uh, breeding grounds for the mosquitoes, that's the key here. What you really need are a lot of like pools of stagnant water. Mm-hmm. So you got to have the right kind of mosquito, which could serve, which can, did and can survive in Amber. these climates. No, oh, in climate in these climates. Yeah, that makes more sense. Uh, you have to, you have to have, you know, you have to have the right mosquito, which we can have in this area of the world. Um, and you have to have places for that mosquito to breed. And so, like, that's why you see the association with uh, parts of maybe the developing world where um like water sanitation isn't always at its best and so like if you look at right now we're focusing on philadelphia um there all there were all these marshy swampy areas Mm. that were great for mosquitoes and then when you look inside the cities themselves in er early colonial america and then in early you know post-revolutionary america you have just i mean things weren't clean you didn't have like sewer systems so you had just like water just standing stagnant yeah. water standing water is all is 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 such a problem i wish we'd realized that one earlier yeah well and back in those days you would just get stoked because hey free water <laughs> that i mean it's amazing and you didn't know about germs if it looked dirty you might not want to drink it but if it looked okay way, you wouldn't I mean, know free water in those days are you kidding me for like it's free any, hey, excuse me, is think... this water just for anybody? Because it's just here. Okay, I'm taking it. Now, even then, if, if water looked obviously dirty, most people wouldn't have it's been free, drinking Sid. it. It's free, But we didn't understand microbes. It's so. wild to not take it. It's free. It's right there. Anybody. But the yellow fever it. wasn't in the water, to be clear. Uh-huh. 
There were things in the water. Cholera was in the water. It's in the water. Uh, but, but the yellow fever was not in the water. The yellow fever was in the mosquitoes, but the mosquitoes lay their eggs and bl- breed on the water. So that mm. is key. One of the number one things you can do to reduce mosquitoes and therefore the infectious diseases they carry in an area is just remove standing water. Take it home with you. It's free. Well, <laughs> just don't leave things sitting around like buckets with standing water in them. <laughs> Listen, if you got a free bucket, now, now we <laughs> now got Stu going. So the beginnings of this epidemic, uh, the beginning was a ship. That is that is the thought. That is the it was traced back. Um and you know, we could the, it's been pinned on like they think a specific like ship with people from a specific part of the world that came to Philadelphia. Lots and lots of people were coming in and out though. It was a very active port, mm-hmm. you know, from a lot of different places. And so Again, this is the, the, and there were a lot of other places in the world where yellow fever was a problem. So the idea that we know exactly who brought it, maybe, maybe not, but there were lots of ships that docked in Philly from Africa and the Caribbean and places where there could have been at any given point in time active outbreaks of yellow fever. Um, this particular ship, they think, came from the French Caribbean colony of Saint Domingue, which is now Haiti. Mm. Uh, and they, at the time, the timing sort of worked that there was a yellow fever outbreak in what is now Haiti at that time. Uh, and so there were a lot of people who were there, uh, fleeing a revolution that was occurring. And then also anytime there's upheaval, you're going to see the spread of these kinds of infectious diseases. So probably also this yellow fever epidemic, all of this was going on. So a lot of people came to Philadelphia, probably some of them were carrying yellow fever, Mm-hmm. Perhaps there are even some mosquitoes flying yeah. around on board. There's probably some pools of stagnant water in the ship. There often were. Yeah. So that's ship life, though. Uh, so the and the city, like I said, was surrounded by swamps and marshes. Uh, the Dock Creek uh, was this open was like a was like a sewer, and it was an open sewer that <laughs> was know, right it's there. A bad sewer because it's called the creek. <laughs> Um, it's right there in the name. It's not called the Dock Sewer. You, you, as far as like your waste and stuff in Philadelphia at this time, and and, and not just I'm not just knocking on Philly, like in a lot of major yeah. American cities, oh. uh, you had holes dug in the ground where you would just throw waste, um, or like animal leftover bits and stuff, and oh, that over there, that's the <laughs> that's the yuck hole. Don't go near it. That's where we put all the yucky things. And it would, well, I mean, you would want to fill it up, I guess, before you had to go through the trouble of digging another hole. Right. And so you would leave it open and then rain would collect in it. Um, So, and then, and then there, you also collected rainwater at the time. I mean, like you, we didn't have plumbing, right? For the most part. So you collected rainwater in barrels Mm. outside. So what I'm painting for you is the picture of, we have these people coming who have yellow fever. We've got mosquitoes that can carry yellow fever. We've got lots of standing gross water everywhere. Fever, it's prime, perfect. Prime it was for it. primed for yellow fever. And on top of that, it was August and the summer had been very dry. And as a result, the water table was really low. So you have even more like shallow pools of water surrounding the docks right where these ships were coming in. So as people got off and mosquitoes bit them and transmitted it to other people and then went and laid their eggs, you know, you you get the idea. There's mosquitoes everywhere. So they feasted on the infected passengers. They carried the infection out with them to Philadelphia, to the people of Philadelphia. 
The first person to die, Peter Aston, was examined and thought, well, we're heading into the fall. And the fall was known to be a time... This, again, this is back before we really understood infectious diseases very well. Mm-hmm. Um, the miasma theory was still very popular. That like bad air. It was around. It was just around time. like bad airs and smells and things would sure. like seep into an area. And that if you could waft the bad air out, fight it with good air, then you wouldn't get sick. Um, so this was a time of year where you usually started to see the fevers, the fall fevers, the autumnal fevers. And those could have been any number of different infectious diseases um, that started as the as the weather started to get cooler. And so at first they thought this guy had just died of one of the fall, fe- hey, f- fall hey, that's, fever. Hey, that's fall for you. Uh, anyway, put him in the yuck hole. But within just a few days, several more people had died of a similar fever. And it's, again, because if you get the most complicated course of yellow fever, it is a very dramatic end. Um with a lot of the, one of the, and I think we mentioned this can occur with Ebola too. One of the most notable is the black vomit that can occur at the end. Yeah, that's very true. Because you're hemorrhaging yeah. and vomiting. And so, and so because of that, it was notable. And it called to the atten- it called the attention of Benjamin Rush, who we've talked about before, one of our founding fathers, father of psychiatry, notable physician who did some whack some, stuff. Some whack things. <laughs> who had some good ideas and then. Some bad, bad ones. Ideas. Some yeah. bad ones. Uh, it caught the attention of Benjamin Rush, who uh, examined the patients, recognized the pattern as one that he was unfortunately familiar with, and announced to the terrified public that yellow fever had indeed struck Philly. What happened? Well, I'm going to tell you what happened. But first, let's go to the billing department. Let's go. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed, but we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got, like, fancy stuff. Listen to this. Where are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From, from, from a, a box? Pre-prepared, all I got at two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious, and you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat, there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier 
than you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar. I don't think I was going to. Squarespace, what is it? It's a tool. Think of it as the palette, the palette of a web design artist. But you don't have to be a web design artist. You could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel. The metaphor is broken down. Basically, you're going to be able to create great-looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, use offer code sawbones to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. So, Sid, Benjamin Rush has just made this stirring announcement. What happens next? Well, general panic. Oh, no. <laughs> So everybody uh, freaked means. out. Everybody was terrified. Uh, Philadelphia at this time had around 50,000 people. Um, and they were crammed in pretty close together. Like they were they were on, all on top of each other. Uh, so, you know, you'd have no idea how this disease spreads. People are living close together. People are dying in a, in a scary, dramatic fashion. Um, they had no idea that the mosquitoes were involved. Nobody knew they're, how to stop all, it. They're all laughing to themselves. The mosquitoes <laughs> are like, they've got no clue. Perfect crime. Uh, and people got sick very, very quickly because nobody had any effective strategies as to what the heck do we do to stop it. Uh, some people would go hide inside. Some people just lock their doors like, I was prepping for this. I've got two weeks of canned food. Lots, I'm ready. Lots of standing water that I've been <laughs> I got lots of standing water. <laughs> it's, like the, it's like the little girl in signs in here. It's just full of standing water as far as I can see. I've got, <coughs> I've got plenty of mosquitoes in here. Yeah. So I've got good. my f- family of mosquitoes to keep me company and entertain me, and I've got plenty of standing water. Uh, many others decided, uh, screw this noise. I'm, I'm getting out of here. Overall... Throughout the course of this illness, about 20,000 people would run from Philadelphia. Hmm. There were 50,000 people in the city. That's so many people. That's so many people. So at the time, Congress, of course, was meeting in Philadelphia at this point in history. It's 1793. Uh, So Congress said... We out. Yeah, we're actually not (laughs) going to stay here either. We're actually done, Philadelphia. They moved out to Germantown. And uh, after one morning, a body was found lying on the statehouse steps. Pretty much all the other government officials left, too. In a sense, the government of Philadelphia collapsed during this outbreak. I don't mean to say, like, that was it. That was the end of Philadelphia. There never was a Philadelphia again. But, like... I don't know. Clearly, if, that's not true. If the government isn't there, can you even call it a Philadelphia? <laughs> I don't know what. I don't know. It doesn't exist. It's just a loose confederacy of Phillies fans at yeah. that point. <laughs> Everybody ran. The hospitals had trouble keeping staffed. Uh, they there were obviously 
a lot of there was a lot of illness among people taking care of the sick. Uh, there was they, they were overwhelmed quickly with the sick and people dying, um, and doctors and nurses started leaving because. Mm. It, in a sense, it was futile, they felt. They were working to try to take care of these people. They had no idea why they got sick or what this sickness was or what to do about it. I'm going to get into some of the treatments, and you'll see why they were highly ineffective. Uh, and so did you? they didn't want to just stand in the hospital and watch people die of a terrible thing. And so a lot of them, themselves. Right. So a lot of them, unfortunately left uh now benjamin rush and we we've we did a whole episode on him in the past and so you can you can revisit that if you don't know why he's kind of a i don't want to say controversial figure most people tend to really like him he just he uh, he was a physician very typical of this time period and that he did a lot of things that were not really helpful or evidence-based because nobody knew what evidence was uh, but he had no intention of leaving, to his credit. I will say that even though he had no real understanding of what the heck to do about yellow fever, he was courageous enough to stay and take care of people to the best of his abilities. Uh, and he did try. The number one thing that Benjamin Rush liked to do to people is bleed them. A classic. Now, in a disease that could end with uncontrolled bleeding... I could see where this would seem like a bad idea. Mm-hmm. And yes, it was a bad idea. <laughs> Correct. Uh, so he, he bled people profusely. He he thought that um, something that would make you poop a lot was a good idea. And so he gave people a lot of like mercury-based compounds and things that would Eesh. lead to diarrhea. Um, he, uh, he was a proponent of the miasma theory of disease. Uh, and he... Because of that, I will say, even though his initial idea as to what could have caused it was wrong, he actually thought it had to do with some coffee. There was a shipment of coffee that had been left at the Arch Street Wharf that was rotting. There was a big, like, rotting, putrid... I imagine this giant pile of coffee grounds, but that can't be right. It can't be right. It's, it can't In my head, over, that's what it is. It can't come over ground. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> In my head, that's why every I've read this several times from different sources. Smile, imagine that, a big old like Shell Silverstein <laughs> pile of coffee. A big old pile of Folgers just yeah. rotting on a dock. But there was a big pile of coffee rotting. At a dock, and that is what Benjamin Rush thought was responsible for the illness. That it, because of the miasma theory of disease, that we have all this rotting coffee, and it's gross, and it smells, and it's spreading this bad air throughout the city. And that um, he just had days where he stood next to the big pile of coffee. It was like, can we just all for a sec? <laughs> if you all take ten minutes with me and just clean up the coffee, this whole thing will be fixed. Just I'm gonna get a broom. You, Doug, well, get a broom, too. Let's get rid of this old stinky coffee. sweep it into the water that we drink. Sweep it into the yuck hole. <laughs> uh, so, and, and this was, I will say that the idea, the other ideas that he came up with, because he thought, because of this miasma theory, and because he thought it had to do with this rotting coffee, a lot of the things that he proposed were like, you know, all these unsanitary conditions, like all this open sewage and these rotting things like coffee or vegetables or whatever they were around the docks and all of this, if we could clean all this up, it would probably be more, it would probably be better for us. And Good instinct. That's true. I mean, these were true, even though he didn't understand why. And I mean, compared to other 
you know, leading thinkers of the time who were like, I don't know, just say some prayers. Yeah. Because this is a curse upon us. At least this was an action people Something could take, you, do, you yeah. know. Um, and uh, and so he, he did, you know, tell people we need to clean things up and things like that that probably was, that was probably a good idea. He did recognize that weather played some part in it. And he was one of the first, like, when it gets colder, for some reason it seemed to go away. Mm-hmm. Which would be true because the mosquitoes die. Mosquitoes, yeah. Uh, but then he also said that he didn't think it was spread human to human. Fair. An intriguing, uh, true, an intriguing point. Mm-hmm. Not directly human to human. Um, because many people blamed this one ship, you know, and these refugees for the infection, there was a lot of anger and... Um, violence directed at people who had come in from what is now Haiti. Uh, and he was, Rush was actually pretty quick to say that's, that's not one, that's not helpful. And two, it, they're really not the problem. The right. problem is that our city stinks and is dirty and gross. <laughs> and all the mosquitoes <laughs> and the water everybody loves. All the yuck holes. Those, that's our problem. It's not people coming here and you need to stop blaming them. Good. Well, that's yeah. Something. Again, revolutionary idea. Um, he uh, so he he advocated for cleaning up the docks, get all the bilge water out of ships, so all the stagnant pools of water that sat in ships. Clean the sewers, wash the streets. Not get... the really nice stagnant pools of water, like the collectors' <laughs> items, right? Some there's some of them they're saving for later, <laughs> for just to show their friends. That stagnant pool was a gift from my mom, so I'm not going <laughs> to throw that away. He said, uh, maybe we shouldn't build our houses so close together. <laughs> Maybe we should empty our toilets more. Now, Easy there were, for you to say, Doc. <laughs> there were other recommendations that weren't quite as helpful um, that were tried throughout the time, some of which were proposed by Dr. Rush and others. were There were, uh, there were other physicians still in the city. Not many, but there were other some other physicians. Um, smoking tobacco was thought to be helpful. Always is. <laughs> uh, clean your house with vinegar or clean a person with vinegar. Just to pass the time? Or? <laughs> no, to try to stave off the fever. Right. Uh, you could carry a tarred rope. No. Uh, cover the floors of your rooms with two inches of dirt. Okay. Replace it daily. Too much work. Rather have the fever. <laughs> that, I, I don't know. Yeah, you lost yeah. me. Uh, garlic was thought to be helpful. Chewing on garlic was popular, um, which would probably repel your friends, but mosquitoes, they, they don't care. care that much. No, uh, you could hang a bag of camphor around your neck. That was a, a popular thing. And um, one man, this makes sense too. Uh, setting off guns in the streets, setting off gunpowder explosions mm. were thought to clear the air. And mm. so that was well, a popular achievement. I just, it's so <sighs> shoot the germs, just <laughs> shoot some guns, shoot it, shoot the yellow fever, tell it who's boss. Uh, adding to the list of wrong ideas that Benjamin Rush had, he thought he had this idea that white people were more susceptible to yellow fever than black people. And as a result of this belief, he actually wrote an editorial begging the free black community to co- basically come to the aid of the sick. Mm. Like we, we need because, and he, he wrote from his medical opinion that they were not, at, at risk of getting this the way that white people were, which, as far as I can tell, he truly believed yeah. wrongly. Right, incorrect. But truly believed this. Uh, so he, he wrote 
you know, please help. We're losing doctors. We're losing nurses. We don't have anybody to bury bodies. Mm-hmm. We need help. And as a result of that, leaders of some of the local churches, Absalom Jones and Richard Allen, who also started the Free African Society, uh, called upon members of the black community to come forward and act as nurses and caregivers and gravediggers and moving sick bodies around and all this. Um, And they were instrumental in providing aid during this horrible disease outbreak. Yes, heroic. But of, of course, unfortunately, that was all inaccurate Um, there is no difference there's no racial difference in terms of yellow fever everybody uh when they when they've looked back at the numbers it was all proportionate you know yeah to the number of of black people in the community the same number died proportionately as white people um but they did put themselves in harm's way to care for the sick and and aid in the care of the sick and that is one really important kind of heroic aspect to the story of this outbreak is is the how instrumental the Free African Society was. Uh, the city itself, the government came up with a number, came with 11 different strategies that they proposed, um, probably on large part the advice of Benjamin Rush, but other other leaders, other medical leaders in the community. Uh, here is how Philadelphia said we're going to deal with this, um, which I think is interesting to see how we dealt historically with different outbreaks. And yeah. that is kind of what's happening now. Um, one, avoid infected people. Sure. Yeah, good. Uh, Always good. Avoid fatigue in body and mind. Don't stand or sit in a draft or in the sun or in the evening air. That's a lot of places. Yeah, that's so many places. No draft, no sun, no evening. Got it. Three, dress according to the weather. And uh, drink sparingly of wine, beer, or cider. I don't know why that's all one rule. Deal. Yeah. Dress well, don't drink. Dress well, don't drink. That's rule three. We put that in one rule. Yeah. We want 11. For some reason, we need 11 we of need these. We need to combine these two rules. Four, uh, when visiting the sick, use vinegar or camphor. Okay. Five, mark every house with sickness in it. Oh, good. That's pleasant. Yes. Not that No chance of that being misuse. No. Wouldn't, I don't think that would fly here. No, I doubt mm, it. Not today. Uh, six, place your patient in the center of your biggest airiest rooms in beds without curtains and change their clothes and bed linens often. There's halfway to something there. I mean, it would, I guess it would be nice. It's nice. Well, it's not going to do anything. Changing their bed linens often. That's not bad. For them. No, that's not bad. I don't, I don't know what you're doing as a city. Like that's, that's that's a weird, if you think about that, this is a, like an ordinance from the city. It's weird. Uh, Seven, stop the uh, tolling of the bells. Oh, good. Those are getting my nerves. Do oh. you know why? Why? It is thought. Because this is a weird one, right? Why would we stop tolling the bells? I don't know. At once, it says. Stop the tolling of the bells at once. Because the bells tolled every time someone died. Oh. And I can imagine this would have been panic-inducing if all day long, long the bells are tolling. Oh, yeesh. So that's why the city did it. It had nothing to do with disease spread. It was panic. Mm. Uh, eight, bury the dead in closed carriages as privately as possible. You can see that. Nine, clean the streets and keep them clean. Ten, <laughs> stop building fires in your houses or on the streets. They have Everybody. no useful effect. Come on. However, do burn gunpowder. Okay. It clears the air. And eleven, most important of all, let a large and airy hospital be provided near the city to receive poor people stricken with the disease who cannot otherwise be cared for. Good. I don't know how the people of Philadelphia were supposed to do that. I mean, like, I guess, if you, unless you take it literally, let it. 
Like, Let don't it. stop while we're building don't it. Don't stop. Everybody grab a brick and come help us build this hospital. <laughs> come help us build a hospital. Come on. We made a rule about how we need a hospital. <laughs> Somebody on. do it. I like that. Maybe it was like uh, the secret. It is. They're visualizing. They're putting out into the world law of attraction style. That we're going to have a Lazaretto. And yeah. they did. Now, um, we talked about the concept of Lazarettos in our last episode, the quarantine hospitals. Hospitals set up specifically to deal with like that outbreak. You know, first it was plague, but now this would have been set up specifically to deal with yellow fever. There was a hospital at Bush Hill that had already been converted into a, a lazaretto. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually, it was funny. It was run by like this rich philanthropist who like opened it to all the yellow fever patients and was like, here we, you will receive the French treatment. And the mm-hmm. French treatment was that you got a lot of wine and lemonade and we are very clean. Sounds good. It was actually so popular that after a while, people had to start like proving that they had yellow fever before they were allowed in because so many people <laughs> tried to get in. Get, get on that free wine and lemonade. <laughs> to, even though they didn't have yellow fever. Um, the, uh, the outbreak did end before they were able to establish this brand new Lazaretto that they had dictated must be mm-hmm. built um, because there was an old Lazaretto, but it was not functioning very well because it was pretty close to the city. And so the idea is that like a ship would come in and make it like to the city basically mm-hmm. before you'd have to stop at the quarantine station at the Lazaretto. Um, and so there wasn't much, po- it wasn't very functional. Um, but before they got the chance to do anything, the outbreak ended because the weather got colder. So October, a bunch of mosquitoes died and the cases started you know, stopping, started yeah. stopping, started decreasing. <laughs> um, there were some more infections after that, but not very many. Um, and that was kind of the end of the worst of the of the outbreak. Uh, prior to that, the the high that the, the death toll reached was 100 people per day. Overall, about 5,000 people, which was 10% of the city, oh my gosh. died in the epidemic. That's a huge number, huge number. Um, now, just because the epidemic ended uh, did not mean that they forgot edict number 11 that they had to build a hospital it's right down the rule book so because of that uh everybody kind of after the government returned thank goodness and people stopped setting off gunpowder in the streets hopefully uh they said you know what we really need a better quarantine facility to help prevent these kinds of outbreaks in the future because we have no idea what caused it but we think it had something to do with the ship and the dock and something that was brought here so they uh, constructed a new Lazaretto, the Philadelphia Lazaretto, finished in 1799 as a result of this outbreak. It was This is why it was built. Um, and it was in Tinicum Township, further away. It's like, it's really near the airport. It's very hmm. close to where the airport is now um, in Philadelphia. But it was... Uh, it was further from the action, so to speak. And as ships would come in, you would have to stop there. And they had like the main building where you would be like assessed mm. for illness. And like the, the ship's captain would have to like provide evidence of like who was on board and where they came from and is anybody sick and what are you bringing and where is it from and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then they had different buildings within the compound. They had a place where, like merchandise and goods could be stored if there was concern. They had a place where um, they had the dead house. You can probably guess what that was for. Sure. You can probably piece that together. Grateful dead fans to come together and swap tapes and stuff. <laughs> they had the uh, the Dutch hospital, which was specifically for German 
immigrants at one point because of they had some concern of I believe it was cholera, mm. um, but it became known as the Dutch Hospital, Pennsylvania Dutch, mm. German. Um, but uh, but they had different buildings on the compound and it was all run by doctors and, you know, and like quarantine masters whose job it was to try to, if there was something coming on one of these ships that could make people sick, stop it there, keep them at the lazaretto until everybody either got better or didn't, <laughs> and then let them into Philadelphia. And it, it, what's interesting is that it, it has been called the Ellis Island of Philadelphia. So busy was this wow. quarantine station. Um like a third of the American population, their ancestors probably passed through this quarantine station. That's it's wild. a wild number. That's wild. Wild number. Um, and it still stands today. Oh. You can still go see the Philadelphia Lazaretto. Cool. Yeah, it's still it's still there. It's still um, it's like a historical site. I believe it was restored recently, maybe even just last year, wow. so that it can be visited again. Um, it, it closed. It's been closed since uh, 1895, but it is, but it still stands there That's today. And building. it is the oldest standing quarantine facility. Uh, I know. I know in the U.S. Mm. So what a distinction. Yeah, and you can still go see it today. Uh, folks, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We appreciate you. We hope you've enjoyed yourself today. You've learned something. You've been edified. Um, I want to let you know we got some shows coming up. If you want to see us uh, perform live, you may do so. April 1st, we're going to be in Boston at the Orpheum Theater. April 3rd, uh, we're going to be at the Grand Theater at Foxwoods in Connecticut. Uh, we Baltimore 22nd of April, we're going to be uh, at the Hippodrome. And Norfolk, Virginia, April 24th at Chrysler Hall. You can get tickets to all those shows at bit.ly forward slash 20funny. And uh, we hope you'll come see us. Some of those shows are selling out, so act fast and come see us live. If, you got, uh, if you're in those areas, you got show suggestions for uh, like local medical topics, send them our way. Yeah, please do. Those always help so much. And thank you. I know some people have already started to send me those. Thank you so much for thinking of doing that and being proactive. It really helps me out. Uh, I believe, uh, oh, we need to say thanks to the taxpayers for the use of their song medicines as the intro and outro of our program. Thanks to you for listening. We'll be back with you again next week. Until then, my name is Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. As always, don't drill a hole in your head. Fund.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.